0: The State of Recruiting is brought to you by the 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly Orange 24-7 recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. And we got a big show for you tonight. We're going to talk about the recruiting implications of the Red River Shootout, a loaded visitor list for this weekend's game, uh, some stuff on Arch Manning after I saw him this week, and, uh, of course, we'll do our high school picks with Guy Frazier, who will be joining the show later on. Before we get into all of that, Nick, how's it going? It's
1: going pretty good. Can't complain. Um I was driving home earlier and quite a bit of rain here in the Dallas area on Wednesday night. So hoping everyone's staying safe out on those roads. It was actually kind of crazy.
0: I'm looking here uh, at the forecast on my trusty weather app on my phone as we do this. And it looks like we only have rain in the forecast 40% tomorrow and then it's going to clear out. So, uh, hopefully, you know, it, uh, it stays that way um all right well let's jump right into it nick it looked like it was going to be a fantastic saturday for the texas longhorns uh you know the the uh the the team was up big at halftime uh they were it looked like they just couldn't be stopped you and i were actually planning some some cool content for after the game probably the biggest bummer of them losing that game is we had a lot of cool uh unique kind of stuff we had never done that we were Kind of had in the cauldron for the uh, the post game, Uh, but it wasn't to be. Caleb Williams came in and kind of dashed all the hopes of of, of Texas fans of beating Oklahoma. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to wait or or try to get back to Dallas to get that win back in the in the Big Twelve Championship if they can. I think coming out of the game, Nick, the the implication for a lot of people was a thought that maybe this hurts recruiting in some ways. You have a lot of recruits there. You have a lot of guys who um, you know couldn't. Couldn't be there to uh, to witness uh, a win, and they saw such a such a bad fold that I, they thought it hurt Texas. My read on the situation, and you had written something about this, um, was that I think it, it it certainly would have helped had they won. It certainly would have been able to uh, for them to push harder for some guys or or maybe build off that momentum a little more. But I'm not sure it it hurt as much. Uh, and the sky is indeed not falling. You wrote something on that earlier this week. Why don't you go ahead and elaborate?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think if you had told recruits coming into this season, this would be four and two at this point, um, after a really hard-fought battle in the Red River uh, rivalry or whatever you want to call it, um, I think recruits would have been very encouraged from hearing that. Um, You know, I I think the offense has shown a lot here in these first six games that is still incredibly intriguing to recruits. Um, Everyone has to remember – Even though it quite doesn't feel like it sometimes, this is still a first year staff and um, there's going to be learning curves along the way. And recruits understand that the things recruits look for under first year staffs are, you know, what is the staff capable of at this particular institution? And I think, you know, Texas is showing a lot. Uh, under Steve Sarkeesian of, you know, what this potential uh, could be over the course of the next five to 10 years. And it's really, uh, it's really intriguing to recruits, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, You can point to Xavier Worthy's performance on Saturday and his national breakout game where, you know, he's on the national stage now as a true freshman and um, one of the leading receivers in the Big 12. If I'm not mistaken, I think he is the leading receiver in the Big 12 right now. Um, You know, that's huge to be able to turn around and show guys like Evan Stewart like, hey, look at Xavier Worthy, a true freshman who holds some of the same traits that you do, and look where he's at right now. Look at the things he's accomplishing. You know, I think that's uh, that's something that's very intriguing for you know offensive uh, prospects. Maybe not so much on the offensive line. You know, there's pro- possibly some improvements that you know need to happen going forward there. Uh, but you know, I think Texas is starting to write the ship on the offensive line, and you know, on the defensive side of the ball. If we're looking at, you know, up front, Texas is pretty much set in 2022. So as long as they can bring those guys in and, you know, kind of show some development, you know, I think that'll be a a good thing. But kind of looking at the secondary, I think there needs to be a lot more improvement as the season goes on. But again, this is a fixable issue. I think think Texas can still right the ship in many ways uh, because the ship's not even really that wronged in the first place.
0: Yeah, I think – so I kind of wrote this coming out of the game that your, your pitch is still your pitch, right? If you're talking to Evan Stewart, your pitch is, hey, we've got one guy that has your skill set and he's setting the college football world on fire so far as a true freshman. Think how cool it would be if we had two of you. Um, if your pitch is Harold Perkins at Denver Harris – Look, man, we, we're we going to score. We need some dudes who could come in right away and be difference makers on our defense. And we think you are those guys. We think, we, you know, what. maybe we, we lacked a few of you. And that's what the difference in that game was. If you're Devon Campbell or Ernest Green, we figured out how to score 50 points with a bad offensive line. Think what we could do with you guys coming in and playing almost immediately um, and getting time on this so the pitch doesn't change that much. If you get run out of the building in Dallas, the pitch changes a lot. It's, hey, we're rebuilding and we're doing all this. I don't think this is as much of a rebuild, and, that, and that's kind of the thing. The other thing that stood out to me, and, and I, a high school coach said this to me the other day when I was talking to him, I think if you play the game, you look at that game and, and understand that, yes, Oklahoma won and Oklahoma deserves all the credit for winning, but there were also some... I wouldn't call them fluky plays, but plays that if you were on the field, you would go, Well, man, if we don't give up the play where Caleb Williams fumbles the snap and still throws a touchdown, or where on third we've got him third and 19, and he you know backs up and throws it, and Marvin Mims makes this amazing catch. I think more so than fans, recruits like see that and think they can under kind of put themselves in that place and say. That's not a really sustainable way. You know, a couple of those things just break a little bit differently, and Texas still wins that game. So I'm not sure it's a it's a huge um, game changer for them in that way. I just think it would have been, had they won, we would have seen the biggest week of hype I think we'd seen under Steve Sarkeesian, probably since he was hired, and that initial buzz kind of took off with it.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, that's kind of something I alluded to as well. And, you know, there's still room for that hype to be uh, that strong moving forward. I mean, Oklahoma State's coming in after a bye week to Austin this weekend as a number 12 team in the country and undefeated. And, you know, right now being picked as some to make the Big 12 championship. If Texas can knock them off in front of a big group of visitors that, you know, is – I think it's safe to say it's the biggest group of visitors that Texas has seen this season. You know, that could do so much for recruiting momentum that, you know, I think we could be looking up this same time next week and possibly talking about that momentum. So uh, we'll see after that.
0: Well, since you said it, let's hop right on that segue and ride it right into this weekend. It's going to be a big one, Texas versus Oklahoma state. We've got a visitor list up at 24-7 24 seven. That is as big as I've, put one together probably and you know this year's been such a wake-up call because we didn't do these big visitor lists last year I almost forgot how to do them and so we've had to do them a couple weekends but this is by far the biggest one Uh, we have uh, five official visits confirmed Jacoby Matthews the five-star safety from Ponchatoula Louisiana Malik Agbo the four-star offensive lineman from Federal Way Washington and one of the best human beings you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, Ernest Green, the offensive lineman from uh, St. John Bosco. Quincy Wiggins, the defensive lineman from Massive Prep. And Larry Turner Gooden uh, from Bishop Alamany in California. That's five big-time official visitors. If nobody else was coming on this trip, that would be a pretty big weekend. Guess what? We got a lot of unofficial visitors, and it starts – and and we'll get a little more into the push for him, but it starts with – with the trio really that's emerging in this 2023 class Texas is targeting Uh, Arch Manning, Ruben Owens, and Jonte Cook. Nick, you were talking to people around Ruben Owens on Saturday. Um, You know, what was the perception of of him in the first half and, and where do you think Texas stands going into this visit?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Texas is still in a really good spot. Um, Ruben Owens and his, and his dad were watching the game on uh, Saturday morning before heading off to College Station to see uh, the Texas A&M and Alabama game, I talked to him before and after, and you know there was a lot, a lot of positives drawn from uh, Bijan Robinson's performance on Saturday and Bijan's performance throughout the season you know I think that's something that's still really intriguing to them and um, you know I think Texas A&M made up some ground Uh, obviously you know that was a huge win for that program especially being able to see it in person you know I do think Texas A&M made up some ground in in that race but I still think Texas is the leader Um, and Georgia is also right there I think you know bringing him in this weekend along with those other two guys like you mentioned and having a good performance on the field uh, showing them around, having the giving them a good time. I think that could really, you know, solidify Texas as a contender. Um, you know, for for his commitment when that time rolls around um, for Ruben Owens. You know, this is a this is a big time recruit. I think people are kind of overlooking how massive Ruben Owens could be to the class. Even if Arch Manning and/or Cook don't end up at the class, I still think Ruben Owens is a you know a strong possibility. So, uh, I mean, that's just one. There's so many 2023 guys we could look around to uh, to to show how important they are to the class.
0: Yeah, like we said, Arch Manning, John T. Cook, Will Randall, who is Arch Manning's tight end, will be in town. Um, Marcus Deal, the offensive lineman from Naiman Forest, Jalen Hale, Anthony Hill. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. Nick, of our list that we've got up on the site, what other names stand out to you that maybe, maybe aren't, you know, household names to others, but you think could potentially be big? Uh
1: yeah, absolutely. Actually, give me, give me a second. I'm actually pulling up the list right now.
0: Um well, um, then, then I'll go with mine. While you're pulling okay, that up, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Here's some other big ones we've we've confirmed. Jaleel Skinner, the Alabama committed tight end, is going to make the trip. Now they've had this trip scheduled before he made the the commitment, but that's a huge one. Texas getting him on campus and still getting him to listen. Uh, I think a lot of people have looked at it and said, "Oh, well, you know, maybe he's just going to keep his promise." I don't think he comes in if he's not serious about it. I just don't think you make the trip and pay for it and all that. If, if you're not serious, TJ Shanahan, uh, from, from Austin Westlake, a great offensive lineman. And then, you know, I, I, if I had to go off off script a little bit, um, I, I see one Nick's probably going to circle cause I know he's familiar with him, but again, another guy who doesn't have an offer, from Texas a young guy but probably a guy that will one day Gibson Pyle an offensive lineman from Klein Kane, uh, in the 2024 class who I saw in the spring and absolutely loved I think he's going to be a big time dude so getting him on campus um, and he's kind of been gelling with that group of of Arch and and, um, and Ruben and Jonte as well so getting him on campus will be big Nick what jumps out of you
1: yeah, Gibson Pyle, he makes a lot of his trips and visits with uh, Reuben Owens. They've made the USC trip together, Georgia Tech and Georgia trips together. Um, you know, those families have grown close. So I wanted to elaborate a little bit more on that. But uh, some other guys that really I'm looking at this list and I'm liking, uh, we can look at Derek McFall, the 2024 running back from Tyler High that was just offered not too long ago, uh, being able to get him on campus first time as an offered recruit. Harris Sewell, I think that is probably one of the more under the radar big time names be on campus he's the number one offensive lineman in the class of 2023 uh in the state of texas uh, excuse me and uh you know i saw him earlier this season and he was just a mauler he looked fantastic so um you know i think that's big for being able to get him on campus you mentioned shanahan Uh, Also, Nigel Smith, the 2024 defensive lineman from Melissa, he doesn't hold an offer yet, but uh, one of the top players in the state of Texas already in his class, wouldn't be surprised if he walks away this weekend with an offer, and also Jordan Matthews, the 2023 corner from Baton Rouge, uh, Woodlawn uh this is a kid came in for the 2023 um, weekend in mid-June and we talked to him after and that was one of the kids that you know came away with the most positive remarks and I think me and you Mike, had talked at that time we need to keep an eye on on, on it if this kid comes back and sure enough he's coming back this weekend and you, you know something kind of crossed my mind today on that same subject let's live in a fantasy world where Texas actually does get Archman. let's say it does happen next spring I think that creates a ton of momentum in the state of Louisiana. Uh, you look at kids like Jordan Matthews, uh, you look at Will Randall and some other elite 2023 recruits, kind of especially if you're looking at the way LSU is trending, I think that's a real opportunity for Texas to go to the boot and take some elite recruits away. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on, but Jordan Matthews is certainly one of those you would want to.
0: I think it's a great point about Matthews is, We've we've always said with those guys, hey, you know, they've got to kind of show it on their own. They've got to come back and and, and he's coming back. I mean, he's like you said, he, he had a, a lot of great comments about Texas when he made the trip in June and uh, coming back on his own to see it. And, you know, that's a kid that I, you know, I gather recruit reactions every week after wins. And he's a kid who you can tell who's watching the game. Um, and who's like just reading the box score, watching highlights and telling, giving you a reaction. That kid's watching the game every week. Every week he's responded to me. He's had like details about the game that uh, make me believe at least that he's watching it. So uh, there is an interest there. Another note, we do have Evan Stewart down as a maybe. I talked to somebody uh, the other night who told me that they, they expect Evan to be in town, but it's always, you know, until Evan's there, it's it's. It is what it is. You got to just you got to kind of hope for it. So um, he is um, there is a lot of positive momentum generating there. I think that Evan is one of those guys that came out of the Cotton Bowl on Saturday and said, I could do all that stuff that Xavier Worthy does. And I could be down here doing that next year. And so not only that, he's grown close with Xavier Worthy. The two have begun begun talking. Offline, they were introduced and, and they've really been hitting it off. And so, um, you know, he's gonna if he does get back down, I would expect them to put him with Worthy after the game and spend some time together and really just kind of talk about you know what they can do together on the field potentially. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the big visitor of the week, and it it's. Uh... <laughs> excuse me, uh, but I had a cough all week and luckily I was tested. Nick can tell you because he's seen the results. It was not COVID, uh, but man, the, it scared me because I had a cough and extreme exhaustion. So I uh, thought, thought I might be in for another round. Um, let's talk about the big visitor of the week, and that is Arch Manning. And it is... Um, man, if you're on Twitter right now, you may want to mute the words Arch Manning. It is, uh, it's getting to a boiling point, I feel like, with people just wanting to to cash in on, on the name and the clicks and all that. And um, you know, the, the whole market has now been out to see him. They, they all figured out how to get to Louisiana uh, in the fall. Um, And so I think that nobody wants to let another site write something about Arch Manning without one of those sites also writing something about Arch Manning just to kind of keep that top of mind. So it is, I, I was looking at it the last couple of days and I'm like, man, this is a, it's, it's getting too much at, at some point where it's like, what are, what are we doing here? We're just writing articles about nothing with Arch. And, uh, you know, some people want to make some predictions. I think it's too early to make a prediction. But here's kind of where I stand with Archer Manning coming off of our trip to New Orleans. And I'll talk a lot more about the trip overall um, in our high school segment. But I wanted to focus on Arch because I didn't just want to quick hit Arch and, and move on. So here's where I am with things. I think that Texas remains in a very, very good spot. I don't want to sit here and say I know who his leader is because I don't. And I, I think that the people around you will tell him he really doesn't have a leader. He's still really pretty wide open. I think that if I had to lay money on Arch Manning committee tomorrow, I would lay money on Texas. I just think that they've been able to make the biggest impression to this point. I think that Austin really intrigues him as a city. It's a lot like new Orleans to him. I think the opportunity to play is great. And I think that his relationship with AJ Milwee and his trust in Steve Sarkeesian all really stand out. So I think that there are a lot of great things in Texas favor. If you look at kind of the other schools in the mix, George is the one that I'm hearing is uh is, is doing the most at this point to push Texas and make it tough on them. And Georgia, of course, the number one team in the country. Uh, they're playing on uh, another level right now. And, and so I think that they've done a great job, and, and Athens is kind of, you know, he liked it um, probably not as much as Austin, but from what I heard, did like Athens quite a bit. Alabama is going to be Alabama. They're going to remain in the mix because of who they are and their ability to win championships and, and all those sorts of things. So um, all those things are in play. Ole Miss is going to be a player. Uh, I do sense that Ole Miss is a player. Uh, Clemson's going to remain Clemson, although I didn't hear as much talk about the Tigers, but I really like what Texas has done in this recruitment so far. They've done a great job um, getting Arch Manning to buy into their vision uh, look at what they do offensively. And I'll tell you this Newman uh, where he plays runs basically uh, Texas offense and Nelson Stewart, um, the head coach there, if you talk to him sounds like a Steve Sarkeesian acolyte so a lot of good things in their favor, what they need is a big visit this weekend, a cool a great offensive performance would be awesome great time for arch on campus. I think it's a perfect time to show him this offense is tailor-made for you. We're going to put weapons in it. We're going to get Evan Stewart, like get him involved and maybe try to close that deal and get him involved with Arch and things like that, and then say this: the keys will be yours when, when you get here. So um, big, big weekend. We'll talk a little bit more about the rest of New Orleans and our high school picks after this break while we bring in our buddy Guy Frazier. All right, and we are back, and we have uh, been joined by Baylor Fraz, as he likes to be called, or Guy Frazier. Uh, What up, Fraz? Uh, What's going
2: on, man? (laughs) Uh, Good. Can you all hear me? I'm doing this off my phone tonight. We can hear you. Okay, good deal. Uh, You know, just checking in, going over my game notes for tomorrow night's game between – Sock and Seagaville, which I'm sure we'll touch on here in a little bit, but uh, just kind of checking over some stuff on my Excel doc here.
0: Well, it is time, it is time to um pick our games. We've got before we do that, we had a little controversy in the group chat uh about records. Are we clear on records now? We are, I think we we are
1: are. clear. Uh, Okay,
0: Nick was doing some point
2: shaving. (laughs) <laughs> but, uh, we, we the, I forgot the um you know a couple of weeks back we didn't end up doing the pod but we still sent in our picks i totally forgot that we week existed uh and then we had a little confusion over the italy Marl uh marlin game last week but we got to clear it up so i think we're all on the same page
1: now
0: yeah i think i was the only idiot on the island with uh with marlin last week so uh, you
1: almost pulled it out. It was only a two point loss for Marlon.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, I was holding on to that one as we were watching, so, uh, watching scores as I was in, uh, in, in New Orleans. All right, guy, what do we got on the slate? Well, before we do that, Dick, since have we have the accounting figured out? We have the records. We do. Okay, we do. Go ahead. It's been
1: about thirty minutes today going through the last three weeks, making sure the records are one hundred percent straight. So I am at twenty six and six. Mike is at 25 and six, and Guy is at 12 and five. So uh, if we're looking at win percentages, Guy is definitely last. Now he's got a lot of, a lot of ground to make up, but that being said, there's a lot of season left. Um, but me and Mike are in a dead heat race right now. We need to figure out a way for Mike to get another game in so we can be even. I don't like this 26 and six, twenty five uh, and six mess. No, I
0: mean, that's what the doubles for. If I choose to double, I can make up ground. If I, if I lose, I lose ground. I mean, that's what we put the double in for.
2: All right, well, I mean that's good. the that's the risk you take. I mean I've I've taken a beat you know beating on that at this point, but uh which is why my, my win percentage is so
0: so lackluster, but we'll get we'll back into it a little bit. All right. Get, so Nick leads by uh what we call half a game, um with a game in hand, basically. Uh guy, go ahead and uh hit us with the slate.
2: Sure. So game number one uh is gonna be Actually, kind of one I'm up for Nick here. Uh, as we go, 6 p.m. Saturday evening at Turner Stadium down in Houston. As the 6-0 and number 22 team in 6A, the CE King Panthers, travel on over to face off with the 6-1 number 6 team in the state, Humble Atascocita Humble- Eagles, uh, who are a two-point favorite. Uh, I know we've, we've touched on Atascocita quite a bit lately, but they've just been in some good games down in the Harris County area. Uh, a little game note here. It's another little bit of a prove-it game in 21-6A, uh, this time for C.E. King as they try to cement themselves kind of in that upper crust tier of that district with North Shore, Westbrook, and Itascasita. I think it's safe to say that Summer Creek now 0-2, and district play has kind of fallen back a little bit. Uh, so this is a big one for the Panthers. Mike, I'll let you go first, and then Nick uh,
0: follows and then me after that. So C.E. King seems to be for real. Um, they've got some talent. I know Nick is a C.E. King stan. It is among all the teams in his uh, bio that he loves. Um, you know, Nick loves all teams. Never had met a team he didn't like. Uh, but Nick has been to C.E. King. He's got some people over there. Um, I'm going to ride with a I'm going to keep riding a Tascacita. I think that the Eagles have helped me. Um, the one week I picked against them, I picked Allen. They embarrassed me last week. I was uh, shaken as as Summer Creek pushed them to the to the edge. But I think Atascosa, I think they're gonna. I think they pull it out. Um, and guy, before we go on further, do you have the double down game for this week? Yes. Um, and just if, if it's if it's not this one, announce it
2: when you announce the game. It's not this one. I do have it. It's not the first
0: two. I'll put it that one. Uh, uh, okay. Just announce it when you announce the game, then that this is the double down. Okay. Sure. Okay.
1: So, uh, you know, this is an intriguing game. Um, CE King beat the breaks off of Summer Creek in the first week of district. And then the second week, Summer Creek came around and fought at Sita into overtime. Um Atas lost their starting quarterback for the year to a torn ACL. Uh 2024 quarterback Zion Brown is now coming into the picture. Now, this is a guy that I really like in the 2024 class. He's coming in. He's having uh, he he had a lot of production this first game. I believe he had over 180 rushing yards and 250 passing yards. I mean, he was going crazy last week. Uh, a big prospect, 6'3", 200. Um, you know, I think this is going to be a really big dude down the line. That being said, I think he's going to – I think it's going to take some time for Atascacita to get used to not having Gavin Sessions at quarterback. And just based on what C.E. King has done through the first two weeks of district, I think C.E. King takes this one. I'm taking the Panthers. I think, uh, I think they're the winners of that district.
2: Well, Nick just dropped a bomb that I was not aware of. I guess I was in Red River Hayes last week and I had no idea that Gavin Sessions was out for the year. So
0: Same. I was in New Orleans.
2: That might change my logic. Here. I
0: was gonna say that again. You oh no, lose. I'm I'm riding with the Eagles. Their wide receiver <laughs> coach might not like me, but I'm riding with. Them.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, geez. Uh, that's a that's a bomb I did not expect to hear. So I think I'm in a roll with C.E. King. Um, I know they have a lot of speed. They've got a good offensive line led by Van Wells, which is a guy I know that Nick is very high on. This was a game a year ago that C.E. King dropped 28-24. to 24. In the last couple of years, these have been games where if the Panthers could just get over the hump, I think it would kind of push them to um, another level as a program. A lot of talent to play with down there. I think I'm actually going to roll with them here, knowing what I know now. Uh, so I'm going to roll with the Panthers in a close one and uh, get one done on the road. So on the game two, this is just another straight up game. Uh, no double down on this one either. Uh, 7 p.m. Friday night at Cypress FCU Stadium as the Cypress Bridgeland and Bears were five and one take on the number 19 team in the state in the 6-0 Cypress Park Tigers. Park enters as a 10-point favorite. Uh, Park is a little bit of what Bridgeland was last year and that they're kind of the new darling on the block that's uh, making a big splash and kind of their first year as a solidified program as they grow as a school. Um, A little bit of a big deal here from a seeding standpoint. I'll let Nick explain it because it involves his Heath Hawks for the playoff picture. Uh, Mike, I'll let you go first.
0: Um, Typically, in a matchup like this, I roll with talent at the quarterback position, and there is no more talented quarterback in state. Probably, I mean, up there with Kate Klubnick, I think you can make the argument. But Connor Weikman is that guy, I and mean, he is that talented. Um, I would love to go maximum Bears here, but I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm going to stick with what I think from from looking at just kind of score watching. And knowing the talent that Cy Park has on their team, I think defensively they've got the dudes um, that can kind of shut things down. I don't think Weigman has as many weapons as he did last year. And even though he is still really strong and he's putting up video game numbers week in and week out, I like Cy Park here in a close Uh
1: Quite the interesting pick. Um, I'm going to pick <laughs> Cy Park here. I'm going to come out, come out for it with that but I'm going to hold a bit of my reasoning until Guy is done because I feel like I screwed myself in the last uh, game by giving off some info that Guy did not know. I think I changed his pick. So I'm going to wait until Guy is done. No, that's not it. Picking that's not,
0: okay. I was about to say, you have to put the pick in. That's the I'm picking side
1: Okay.
2: Okay. So I was going to let Nick tee off here on the Rockwell Heath part of this, but this is a big game for 16, six, a, as far as seating goes. So, if things were to stay as they are today, which it looks like with Langham Creek losing last week, that's going to be the case. That means Cywoods Woods and Cy Ranch would go D1 and 6A, and that Park and Bridgeland would go D2. Now, the winner of this game would, they would look to see themselves as the one seed in D2 for this district, which means that they would get Heath in the third round, whereas the loser of this game would actually fare to have Heath potentially in the fourth round. So – not that big of a difference, but it would give you another week to prepare for what is one of the more lethal offenses in the state. Twofold on that, the winner also would have to potentially face Spring-Westfield in the second round. So if you were to lose a game here that may not hurt you in the long run, this one, this might be one to lose. Not saying that someone's going to go out there and try to lose this one, but it is interesting how all that kind of plays out from a seeding standpoint. With all that said, I kind of agree with Mike in that I think Bridgeland doesn't have near the tools and weapons around Whiteman to um, make them as lethal as they were a year ago. And I think Park kind of rides on a, uh, you know, a defense that, you know, plays with a little bit of a chip with Harold Perkins and Owen Wee and guys like that. Um, I don't know what Nick has up his sleeve here as far as information, but I'm going to roll with Park. I'm kind of curious what Nick knows that I don't know. Uh, I've
0: I've actually got some information um on that to that end um I don't know if this is true I have not confirmed it maybe Nick has it because he's got sources at Cy Park I've heard Owen Peewee's been suspended
1: that is uh oh. that's not the ace up my sleeve but that being said I I still am taking Cy Park Harold Perkins has been really um uh, uh, really lethal uh, through six games this season on the offensive side of the ball I mean nobody is stopping him Um, They have a lot of twenty twenty two weapons, actually. Side Park does that. Uh, They're just gashing teams in the running game. I don't think Bridgeland's defense will be able to keep up with them. Um, However, Bridgeland's offense, I think they would be able to keep up with them if we knew that Connor Wigman was playing. He he left the game last week with an injury. Questionable to play this upcoming week. If he doesn't play, I think Side Park wins big. If he does play, I think maybe it's a close one. Regardless, I'm taking Side Park.
2: All right. Is this, uh, uh, is this a serious also,
1: injury or is this something he could really potentially play with? Uh, undisclosed, as far as I know. Huh.
2: Well, what, what else were you about to say there?
1: Uh, also something to kind of keep an eye on. Cy Park, they, uh, after the first six weeks, they kind of lose some kids in, on the team. Um, so this is that six-week period. I'm Read into that what you will. <laughs> yeah.
0: Read into that what you will. Um,
1: happened to him last year. Go ahead.
0: Think about well, what there's
2: There's 6 and 0. Oh, it's a good place to be right now. So I'm, I'm comfortable with my <laughs> Think pick.
0: about what happens in school every six weeks and then will figure out. Oh, uh, <laughs>
2: I, I see
0: what you're going with now.
2: Okay. Yeah, I'm picking up
0: what you're putting down, Nick.
2: Okay. Well, moving on. This is our double down game, game number three. Um, 7 p.m. Friday night on the white settlement of Fort Worth at Brewers Bear Stadium. As the Abilene Cooper Cougars, who are 4-2, travel to face off with the Brewer Bears, who are 5-1. and one. It's a nine-point favorite for the Bears heading into this game, according to the DCTF computer. Now, you might be asking, now, why am I picking this game? Well, one of my ex-coaches, Chris Herron, who is a Abilene Cooper grad himself and coached at the home park, played for Randy Allen at Cooper listens to the show. He's a big time listener. He told me a month ago that if I didn't put this game in the podcast come week eight, I was going to be in big trouble with him. So coach Aaron, here you go. Um, the reason why I made this double down game, I don't know what to make of it. I know it's an important game for three, five, a D one, but that's about it. So Mike, I'll let you take a hit at it.
0: Oh man. I was really thinking about doubling on this game. and I'm. Um... I, I might get to my pick and just say double it, but I, I don't know. It's hard. Uh, I looked back kind of at, at their respective seasons for both teams. And I know that at times this year, just scoreboard watching, because I haven't seen either of these teams live, um, Brewer has struggled a little bit offensively. There's There's been nights where I've looked up and they just haven't put a ton of points on the board. Um, they do have athletes. They do have dudes. Um, so I know that they, they're capable of it, but I just, uh, I'm not quite there. I am, you know what, screw it. Give me the double on Brewer, give me the bears, give me uh coach Peterman. I'll take them to take down Cooper.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go the same way here. I'm going to double down on Fort Worth Brewer. Um, oh. They do have, have a, a, <laughs> do have
0: a play defense. Do you have a common
1: opponent here with, uh, they both like Granberry. Um, and Abilene Cooper beat Granbury 56-34. Fourth Brewer beat them 56-35. So I, I think that kind of shows you how close these teams are. I think it could be a really good game. I'm not a huge believer in there being home field advantages for uh, high schools that don't have, like, insane crowds. And uh, not to say that Brewer doesn't bring a really good crowd, um, but I, I'm not a huge believer in it unless a team has to travel more than, say, 90 minutes from, Thank you yeah. know, Abilene into Fort Worth I think that's kind of tough um, you know for that reason I think if this game was an Abilene my pick would be different but I'm going to take Fort Worth Brewer go ahead and double it down also if you're going to be at that game we're keeping an eye on it keep an eye on 2024 defensive back Jordan Johnson Rebell he's one of our favorites in the 2024 class so far and I believe he has over 15 offers already that kid's going to be a monster
2: Okay, so I'm going to double down, too, because y'all are kind of forcing my hand as I try to keep up here. Um,
0: We've got to figure out a way to fit your percentage in with, like, the. it's just not fair that you had, you were behind, you know, so.
2: It is. Well, for me, it's just going off of win percentage, so I'm not going to have the numbers y'all have, but if I can keep a respectable percentage as far as win and loss, I'll be happy. Um, there will always be an asterisk next to me, but. With all that said, uh, Coach Aaron, you're not going to like me too much here uh, with this pick. I already know I can hear your voice now. Uh, but I'm going to roll with Brewer here as well. Uh, my big hang-up on Cooper is they had some what looked like impressive wins earlier in the year, but they haven't aged as well. Abilene High being one of those, that was a trendy pick. At the 6A level at one point, they're now sitting at 3-3. Three and three. So while that's a big win for Cooper, crosstown rival, it hasn't aged as well as far as impressiveness. Uh, and Cooper also graduated a pretty lofty class last year with Aiden Thompson, who's their quarterback, who's at Oklahoma Baptist now. And then they had a slew of pretty good high school tailbacks as well. Uh, Brewer is one of the younger teams, probably in 5A-D1, but it's a, it's a pretty talented group. Uh, so I probably feel more comfortable with that at this point. So I'm going to roll with the Brewer Bears as well. Double down, give me it all the way.
1: Guy, you know what uh, you just did. You just uh, uh you know what you just did. you just got this podcast played in front of the entire team as they head on the bus on Friday afternoon. Yep.
0: You who know, Cooper yeah, shout out cooper uh, hello from the uh, from the uh <laughs> state of recruiting podcast. Uh, we know that you'll be hearing us on uh to motivate you as you take the field, and hey, even though I've doubled, I hope you go do it. I hope that somebody uses my words as motivation to go beat another team one day. <laughs>
2: Well, moving on to game four here. Um, a little bit of an odd kickoff start here as it's an 8 p.m. game on Friday at Wichita Falls Mo- Memorial Stadium. It's actually the second of a doubleheader there on Friday as the number five Lubbock Cooper Pirates, who are five and one, travel on over to face off with the Wichita Falls Rider Raiders, who are number eight in the state, who are six and no oh themselves. Ryder enters in as a four-point favorite, according to DCTF's computer. Uh, Kind of a thing that sticks out about this game is this is actually the seventh time these two programs have met in a little over three years. Uh, They've played each other in district play, but they've also uh, met ways in the playoffs as well the last couple of years. Cooper actually edges Ryder with a 4-2 and record in the last six appearances, but those two wins for Ryder came in clutch time during the playoffs, so they have won in some big games. Uh, Mike, I'll let you take this one. I think it's it's a pick'em game to me.
0: Yeah, I think both our, our last two games are basically pickems. I don't think you could put a spread on any either of them. Um, I am looking at this. I would say you're right in that Ryder pulled out those two victories when they mattered, but I think the resume matters, and I think that over the last couple of years, Cooper's just been a more uh, steady team, a more impressive team. And I know that, you know, in high school, kids graduate, so it doesn't always translate year to year. But programs do last. And I think Cooper does have a really strong program. And they've got some dudes, obviously, uh, you know, Oklahoma commit Kobe McKenzie on that team and, and a, a couple other guys. So I'm going to take Lovett Cooper in this one. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I could, And this is – correct me if I'm wrong. last couple of weeks have been kind of eh, on the games. This week is uh, one heck of a slate. Correct, and I, I would
2: say that pretty much at every level. DFW area is a little quiet, but, like, Houston's got it rolling this week. Uh, I think San Antonio's got a couple good games. There's a lot of good small school, small school games from what I've been able to pick up, just looking through the list of yeah, I mean, I think you're
0: right on that.
1: I have two syllables. Rojo. I'm going with, uh, with rider.
0: You know what Rojo means, Nick?
1: I don't at all.
0: It means ride right on honorable ones.
1: That's odd.
0: I
2: knew he wouldn't appreciate that (laughs) Okay So, yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a coin flip game I'm not sure You know, these two programs know each other really well With that said They both graduated pretty good numbers last year And and a good amount of key guys In fact, that Ryder class that graduated in 2021 Was a class that in three years Took them to two state semifinals And, And Cooper, you know, graduated quite a bit of pieces as well. They do still have Kobe McKenzie as Mike referred to the guy that's built like a brick house in the second (laughs) quarter of uh, Cooper's defense. I don't really know where to go with this one, uh, but I think I'm going to try to separate myself, I I guess from Nick a little bit. I I guess I'll go with Cooper with the idea that they're probably a little bit more of a steady program at this point. So I'm going to go with the road team and go with the Pirates, which Nick loves because Nick thinks he's going to separate himself. I guess from us, so there we go. Um, the last game, game number five, kind of our "quote unquote" small school game, and in fact, it's about as small as you can get. 7 p.m. Friday at Monsters Horn- Hornet Stadium. Uh, we have the number two Winthorst Trojans, who are six and zero, going on the road to face off with the number three Monster Hornets, who are seven and zero. I mean, two really strong programs are kind of up there on the Oklahoma-Texas border. Uh, similar type of schools. I think they're both like predominantly German uh, towns as far as background. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but also two programs that have played in the last state championships, kind of in the odds and the tens, as far as uh, the last 20 years of high school football. So Mike, I'll let you take over with your thoughts.
0: I have a stat here and I took it from Ashley TV, Pickle TV star, Ashley Pickle. Yep. Um <laughs> Winthorst is outscoring opponents, 262 to 42 this season monsters outscoring their opponents, three fifty-seven to 83. So it is my analysis that both these teams are in fact good. Um, it's a pick them to me again. This is two very evenly matched teams. It's number two versus number three for a reason. Uh, I don't like monster cheese. So I'm going to go with Winthorst.
1: That's solid reasoning. I'll give you that. My reasoning for taking Winthorst in this game is, um, if, if you were watching the state championships last year, Winthorst and Mart arguably could have been the best game uh, coming out of both weekends. Uh, it was an absolute banger. Winthorst went in there and upset Mart. It was a huge upset, probably the biggest upset we saw last year. And they're rolling so far this year. That defense is truly something special. That defensive coordinator at Winthorst is going to get paid one day. Um, you know, I think they limit Munster. I think this is going to be you know, a scoring game, like a 17 to 13 type situation. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take uh, Winthorst
0: that was the most fun game that like I never expected to be fun. Cause we just all thought Martin was going to roll like they had been. And like, by the end of it, I was like standing in the press box, screaming. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that game.
2: Yeah. So speaking of that game, that, that Trojan class actually graduated like their core and, and a good majority of that team is gone at this point. So uh, you can kind of, Go with that vibe. That the program is rolling, but it's it's kind of a new set of of, of guys. Um, with their success this year, with that said, Munster returns 14 guys from a regional finalist team a year ago, uh, in their own right. One thing I always notice about Munsters—they look like a basketball team out there. They've got multiple six three, six four guys on their roster that I'm looking at right now, and that's something they had a couple of years ago. Which is, it's a it's an athletic program that's always good at football, basketball, baseball all kind of at the same time. I think this is another special class of horn that's coming through, games at home. Uh, Give me monster. I'm going to roll with uh, the red and black in this one. And that'll conclude our five games.
0: All right, so write them all down and we will circle back next week. Uh, Guy, before we get on, uh, do you want to give us what your uh, football coverage schedule will be this week?
2: Yeah, so this week, tomorrow night, I'm um, going to go to a new stadium as I head down to far Southeast Dallas at James Ray Henry field as the Seagaville dragons host, the Dallas South Oak cliff golden bears going to go check out what Sawcast has to offer. I uh, need to make that happen. This is probably one of their best DISD games that they'll get as far as competition wise. Seagaville's got a really good defense this year, although I don't think they've gone up against someone like sock yet. So we'll see if that holds. Uh, and then Friday night, as of now, it's uh, Ferris at Godly. Going to go check out some of our friends over at Ferris. Um, I've yet to hear back from Godly, so that's all kind of tentative right now, but that's the plan anyway.
0: Prayers for you uh, going into Godly, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not the easiest place to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Nick, what, uh, what about you? Oh, Guy, who did you see last week and anybody stand out to you?
2: Yeah, so, um, geez, I'm drawing blanks on my Thursday night game. Who did I see Thursday night? Um, Friday night. Oh, I went over- uh, you
0: went to uh, you went to like a Dallas game because you and I were supposed to go to the mm. softball game That's and it right. got canceled. Yeah.
2: Correct. So, after it got canceled, you know, our friends over at Dallas ISD make it easy on us. You just have to have your, your season pass. So, uh, I decided to go check out the guys over at North Dallas. They played down at Wilmer Hutchins last week. Uh, the, the two guys that I really like on that North Dallas team, they did their part. Uh, unfortunately, the rest of their team is struggling a little bit right now. Uh, their young quarterbacks hurt with a, with a back issue, so their whole team has kind of fallen apart from a success standpoint. Um, and then Friday night, went and checked out my Scotties as they hosted Longview. Good chance to go right down the road. Had Colin Kennedy with me, Ryan Shotgun and I uh, got to show him around my old stomping grounds a little bit on Red River weekend, so that was a good time, and uh, Colin and I always have a good time anyway, so Scott's uh, found that, that was fun.
0: Scott's found a way. Say away. that again. I said, yes, Scott's, Scott's, did, Scott's did,
2: found yes. a way. Scott's said, did find a way. And uh, another close one, back-to-back years, that game has ended in a five-point difference. So, um, you know, it's, it's been a good district challenge, and, and sometimes Highland Park hasn't always had that, so it's been fun the last two years.
0: All right, Nick, uh, what do you got this week? What did you have last week? I'll start with last week. On Thursday, I went
1: out to the Woodlands, uh, caught Willis and the Woodlands. Um, a game between two 2024 quarterbacks that I was really excited to see uh, for, for Willis, D.J. Lagway. he's a quarterback that's been offered by Baylor, Texas A&M, LSU, um, you know, a big prospect, six foot four, 200 pounds. Uh, He can get it done with his arm and his legs. And much can be the same. Uh, Much of the same could be said for the quarterback he went up against last Thursday night, which is the Woodlands uh, 2024 quarterback, Mabry Metzauer. Uh, who has offers from LSU, Florida, Miami, uh, and some others as well. Uh, It was really fun just to see two young quarterbacks uh, in their first season as the full-time varsity starter, you know, really get some solid reps under their belt. I really liked what I saw from both guys. I think there were positives and negatives you could take away from both of their games. You know, I think those are going to be two guys we talk about here in a couple of years when they're seniors. Uh, and then on Friday night, went out and saw Little Elm and Allen. Little Elm home to Terrence Brooks, the four-star Ohio State commit. Allen home to five-star defensive lineman DJ Hicks. And four-star 2024 defensive lineman Zena, Omeo Zolo, who was just offered by Texas today on Wednesday as we're recording. And also, guys, I finally got the correct pronunciation of Nato and Zena's last name it is Omeo Zolo. So do as that as you will.
0: All right. Thank you for that hard work. What do you, uh, what do you have this week? <laughs>
1: this upcoming week. Um, uh, tomorrow night on Thursday, I'm going to go see Wiley and Naaman Forrest um, down in Garland at Williams Stadium. Um, Naaman Forrest is home to four-star offensive lineman uh, Marcus Deal, who is going to be uh, at Texas this upcoming weekend uh, for the texas Oklahoma State game. Um, so that's definitely exciting, especially if you're looking at offensive line recruiting in the 2023 class. This is a guy that I've heard has done fantastic here in his junior season. I'm really excited to finally go, lays, go lay eyes on him. On Friday, I'm heading down to a game that we picked earlier, Bridgeland and Side Park. Uh, really excited for that one. It's going to be kind of a media frenzy, going to be able to see some guys in Houston that I haven't seen in a while. So that's going to be a lot of fun. On Saturday I am going to uh, Saturday afternoon, I'm going to be at Langham Creek at Side Creek. Uh, uh, excuse me. Langham Creek at Cy Lakes. Uh, I'm actually going to be calling that game for Texan Live and Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Um, I'll be posting that on my Twitter, you know, as the game is going on. Um, you know, feel free to pop in and check that one out at halftime of the Texas game or whatever. Langham Creek is home to five-star wide receiver Jaquase Petaway in the 2023 class, uh, you know, someone that's a, a really big vertical threat and is being pursued by a lot of big-name schools. And then on Saturday night, my fourth game of the week, I'm going to go be seeing Cy Woods and Cy Ranch. Cy Ranch is home to 2023 four-star defensive line offer Ashton Porter, who has made numerous trips to Texas and has really uh, engaged with defensive line coach Bo Davis as the 2023 contact period has started. Uh, that's definitely going to be a kid we keep a close eye on moving forward. They also have a 2023 linebacker Christian Brathwaite. Um, he's not offered by Texas, but definitely somebody who uh, you know could be uh, offered by Texas in the future. Um, you know, so really excited to see a lot of games down in the side Cy- area on Friday and Saturday, and you know, got a full slate this week.
0: All right, um, I'll start with last week. I already mentioned, saw Arch Manning uh, Friday in uh, Louisiana. Before I did that, flew in, uh, drove down to see uh, Shaz Preston during the day at St. James. Texas in a good spot there, the top four. Uh, gonna probably need to get him back to campus to feel better about where things stand with Shaz. Uh, we talked about Arch Manning, Will Randall, his tight end and best friend is coming in with him this weekend. The two are not necessarily a package deal, but I think Texas is doing a really strong job there along with LSU uh, and uh, Michigan state and SMU uh, with Randall. And then Saturday night, I got to see the, uh, the guy, Frazier, uh, Nick Harris bowl, uh, Edna Carr versus uh, Warren Easton. And uh, I know this was a big one for you fellas Um and, uh, yeah, I think it, it absolutely lived up to the hype. I got to see uh, Champ Lewis, the, the 2022 Texas committed defensive back, wasn't really tested until the end of the game, and then unfortunately gave up the, the game-winning touchdown. And this is like a, a rivalry where Endicars won the last nine, I think. And it was like after watching Texas OU that day and watching OU come back and steal that game, I said to somebody I'm standing with, on the sideline, I was like, watch, I bet, because because Easton led the entire game. I was like, watch, I bet Carr comes back and steals this one. And that's absolutely what they did, uh, scoring with under a minute left to, to win the game and, and extend their streak. Uh, but a really cool atmosphere in, in New Orleans outside of uh, getting to the car after the game. That was kind of a scary experience. <laughs> um, but... Uh, a really cool experience. The, the band was on fire for some reason and we couldn't figure out why the Warren Easton band did not make the trip. But the Edna Carr band was incredible. Um, it was a really cool night of football. One of the better games I've seen this year. I have been a blowout magnet and this one was close. And I'll tell you who the dude was in that game. It's 2024 Warren Easton corner in Texas offer of, uh, Wallace Foster who was incredible. One of the best a single game performances I've ever seen. So, um, yeah. Uh, overall, uh, it was a fun weekend in New Orleans. This week, uh, I guess I can announce this now because the podcast isn't going to be out till Friday. So Thursday night, I'm going uh, down to Houston. I'm going to go see North Shore and humble uh, Summer Creek in a game. Uh, going to go see uh, Denver Harris and Chris Ross, and then see if there's anything going on uh, with Kelvin Banks and the Longhorns. And then on Friday. Uh, this was a tough one. I, I tossed this around the group text of where should I go? I think I'm going to end up at Arlington Martin and Arlington Bowie, my first trip to uh, the Globe this year. Are we even calling it the Globe anymore?
1: Yes, I don't care what anyone says.
0: Well, kind of. I, I feel like we've kind of wavered back, on, back and forth on that, Nick. So Choctaw Stadium is what uh, the former Rangers ballpark is now now called, but I I like calling it the Globe. So uh, that's the plan (laughs) uh, for Friday night. So it should be a good one. Before we get out of here, Guy, I don't know if you want to hang around on this note. Nick has been calling for the ball to talk Sopranos and Sopranos movie, and he should know that I'm a massive Sopranos fan. It is, to me, the greatest television show that's ever been made. Um, I know that this segment will be full of Nick trying to draw me off sides. Uh, But before you say anything, Nick, just let me tell you this. Any of those stupid shows you like or think are better would not have been possible without Sopranos blazing the trail for them. Um, So go ahead.
1: That is absolutely true. Um, I have uh, one of my best friends. He's a film major out in Los Angeles and he's the one that put me onto the show and we, we talk about it quite frequently and he has different perspectives obviously than uh, you know, the normal person does. And you know, he brought up something that I think is really interesting about The Sopranos is that uh, you know, it was the first show that really had the first anti-hero as a protagonist in Tony Soprano. You know, he was the first main character that you saw that you almost had to root against to feel morally correct. And you're right, it did blaze the paths for my favorite show of all time, which is Breaking Bad and others. Um, And I really appreciated the greatness of The Sopranos, but I'd have to probably put it number two on my list behind Breaking Bad. I still think it was a phenomenal show. Um, The ending, you know, I don't want to spoil anything because I know there are some people out there who may be watching the show and or movie right now.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, the ending just left me unsatisfied i'll say that uh, but the movie was fantastic um i was really a big fan of the prequel movie you know i think it showed a lot of uh, a lot of stuff that kind of um you know led into what the soprano show was who those who those characters were and there were also some funny things from the show that if you had been watching recently and picked up on there was a lot of those same things in the movies whether it be stories from uh you know, Tony or whatever that were kind of funny things. And, you know, those things were in the movie. So uh, really awesome. And yeah, I'm a big fan of the show. It's probably going to be one I go back and watch one day.
0: Okay. So first of all, I'll say, I thought you were going to rank it a lot lower. So I was prepared to jump off sides, but two to (laughs) five, it's fair, fair. Um, You could say if you've been watching it recently, or if you've seen the show a hundred thousand times through, Yes, I got every joke in the mini Saints of Newark or every Easter egg. I was just like my wife got tired of me pausing it and being like, see what he's talking about is like the time that like <laughs> Tony said something to Janice about his dad blowing a hole in her be- beehive hairdo. Like, remember, he got mad at that, in, like season four. And my wife's like, OK, so you, um, <laughs> you were literally the
1: Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's got the yes, he stuff the entire and stops time.
0: time. The entire time. Um, And it actually inspired me to start watching again. So I watched the whole series through in July. And uh, we're like eight episodes into season one again. Nick, you and I have to talk offline about this more because the ending for me was something that like, at first, I felt the same way you did, but like as time went on, I kind of looked at it differently. So we won't spoil it for Guy, who I did not know was watching the show. But um, Oh, I'm not, but
2: I, I do plan on it eventually. I've, I've mentioned it a couple times in passing. You've always been disappointed in me that I, I haven't mean, watched it, but i uh, get like, to it.
0: The ending is only like 13 years old, Guy. So, I mean, at some point, spoilers don't apply anymore, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So, I somehow
1: got through the show with only one
0: spoiler and it wasn't even really that big of one.
1: I, I don't know how I did it, but I did.
0: Well, early on, you were like in season four or five and you were like, oh, I don't know. It's all right. And I was worried. Cause I'm like, man, if you're not hooked by that point, um, <laughs> I don't know how you're going to, you know, how it's going to play out for you. So it sounds like it did. All right. Anything else you guys want to add before we get out of here? Yeah. No, I forgot I'm to good. mention that I'll be in Austin on Saturday. But I'm going to
2: drop this bomb for my fellow Texas fans. Um, in the last 20 years, following Red River, Texas is 18 and two. Who do you think those two losses were, to, fellas?
1: Oklahoma State.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> were, did, were they coming up? 2011 off of
2: the and 2016. So one in the Mac Brown era. Once things kind of started to fall off a little bit. And then 2016 with uh, Herman in a 13-10 game, I believe, which I got to be honest with you, I I think I was at that game. I don't
0: remember anything about it. I remember that game well. That was Sam Ellinger concussed, I think, throwing an interception into the end zone in overtime. I remember it, it went into overtime, and he just kind of floated one up, trying to throw it out of bounds, and he looked like he had no business being in the game. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, I think uh, that I remember that game. Well, look, man, streaks got to end. You know, I think that uh, I think it's time for that. So um, I'm going to roll with uh, I'm going to roll with Texas here. I think uh, there's a little preview for my pick that will be on the site. Uh, I'm week. with you. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. If you're a Texas high school football nerd for indulging us in our Texas high school football pick segment um and we will get back to the mailbag we will also get back to the video podcast at some point i should tell you that we've got some bad technology right now we tried to do a video podcast tonight and it did not work so uh we're going to upgrade our technology in the next week um and then we will be back to you on youtube uh for nick harris and guy frazier i'm mike Roach, and we will see you guys next week